Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Ben Dull, recording this on a Saturday night, so this should be up very late night Sunday for you and during the day on Monday as we are now just days away from the All-Star break and the way these teams are playing now, it looks like we are going to get really just get as packed as humanly possible, one through eight, even one through nine. You know, Phoenix at eight, recording this on Sunday night, they're two and a half games back at Connecticut at number one, so... It's, it's really going to be uh, an incredible race to the finish here with all these teams really being in play for a, not just a single buy, but even a double buy if they can really really get going here. So that's going to be fun to watch. But had uh, Eric, Eric Nemchak of Swish Appeal on the show again, recapping some of the weekend games. We're doing two of the Friday games, which were, which were close, close games, exciting finishes. First, Washington, Indiana, which went to overtime, and then... Uh, not not quite as much offense in this one, but Seattle and Las Vegas was obviously a notable game as well. So with that said, let's get right to Eric. And on the line here, I've got Eric Nemchak of Swish Appeal as we go through a couple of Friday's games and, a, and another roster move involving a, lot, a 2017 lottery pick. But Eric, what do you think of uh, what do you think of the weekend here so far? We're getting some pretty good games. Uh, we did have a pretty good, uh, couple of pretty good games, pretty close games. Um, there was one that was not so close, but I guess you're not really talking about that one. So, yeah, that was uh, no uh, no Tiffany Hayes for Atlanta. That was kind of to be expected at that point. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So we were gonna start with Washington at Indiana, which went to overtime, and uh, you were actually in the house. So I want to I want to just kick it straight to you off the top, and just where you wanna. Where do you want to start, and what kind of stood out to you most with that game? Um, I was definitely in the house. I can confirm that I was there. Uh, I thought Indiana played really well. I, th- I thought they played really well for most of the game, but uh, you know, close doesn't cut it. And uh, I think, if anything, it just it just goes to show how slim, like like how small of a margin of error you have against a team like Washington. Because Indiana, they defended Deladon, I thought, pretty well for most of the game. Uh, they were able to hold, you know, Natasha Cloud in check, Ariel Atkins in check for the most part. Um, their offense was efficient enough, but you know, at the end of the day, it's just like the little things. You know, Shanice Johnson, uh, she takes a two instead of a three, or you know, they or they leave Deladon on the on the pick and pop. It's just little mistakes like that, and and then by the end of the game, it's just a matter of time before a player like Christy Talbert just says, "Okay, I'm done. Here, have a step back three. Okay, we're going home." So. Yeah, I mean, it shows a lot of fight and a lot of moxie from Indiana, but it also shows just the the pure gap in talent between these two teams. I mean, my God, Deladon, I thought, like, wasn't even really that effective for most of the game, but you look up and she has 28 points. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it was a tough one for Indy. Yeah, this, it definitely, you know, seeing, like, some of the Twitter reaction online before I, like, watched the game, you know, I was like, all right, Deladon's carrying him. So I was interested to see, like, oh, you know, is she just, like, you know, just like canning all these shots over people and stuff, and no, that's not really how it went. Not know, really, the, no. And the, I mean, that, yeah, sorry. Well, and and this is like I think this is one that has to be you know classified as like, look, I mean, you can say you know Indiana's a young team, all this stuff, blah blah. blah. Well, like this was a game like you probably should have won. Like you're up four. Uh, the they get the offensive rebound, which leads to the first Deladon three at the end there, and that's. That's that can that's totally like file that under the whole you know box out a person not air, which I think it was Wheeler and Dupree failed to do there, and, and then the other one, yeah I mean just not, I guess you would say I mean, maybe like a Chan was was supposed to like already be stunting to Deldon but they just it looked more like they just weren't really sure what they were gonna do there although it was kind of a broken play, and then Natasha Cloud like sprints into that side pick and roll and just nobody. Nobody was there to get out to Deladon. Yeah, I mean, you, you you can you can say like, well, this is what my this is what looked like should have happened, but I mean, it's Elena Deladon. Like, you gotta know where she is, no matter what. You you, you can't be giving her that shot at the end of the game. That's and, and no, you're right. I mean, it was a quiet twenty eight points for her. I, I throughout most of the fourth quarter, I was I was kind of sitting there, you know, thinking like, man, Washington isn't really getting her the ball often enough. But you know, then you know, by the end of the fourth quarter, then she. She gets her shots, and, and you know what happens from there. So yeah, it's I definitely say that yeah, I agree. Indiana should have won that game. And 
and, and even even how Indiana handled some of their own offensive possessions, like look, I mean Kelsey Mitchell, if if she had done any better than three for thirteen or whatever she was before crunch time, basically, you know, because she wasn't out there, that would have helped them because they needed someone out there that could get a shot. Because you mentioned Shanice. She had the last play of the game after Wheeler left with that apparent injury, whatever it was, and and Shanice didn't get a shot off. And like Washington switches normally, you know they're gonna switch again, and they just they just I don't know what they were even trying to run there. And then even before that, uh, Wheeler drove drove driving into Latoya Sanders, missed Natalie Achama rolling to the rim, and just kind of ran right into her and just lost the ball. And it's you know that that kind of speaks to Washington too. Like they're gonna switch, and like your guard, you have to have a guard that's like good enough to beat. Deladon or Latoya Sanders off the bounce. I think that that also speaks to how good Latoya Sanders is. I mean, I don't, I don't really. Uh, once again, I don't think she gets enough credit for being that uh, that defensive presence, and she enables them to, you know, do that switching. And if you're Indiana, I mean, it it, it just sucks because you 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 play well enough to, to win this game, to really steal this game at home there. But at the end, you still you both don't execute, and then you don't really have the horses to compete in overtime. So it's frustrating. It's it's definitely frustrating. Well, and, and and then the other the kind of the other thing that Indiana is like trying to like attack Washington switching like really it just like you know when Kelsey Mitchell's not on the floor like it really just like comes down to like all right Erica Wheeler like please make a jump shot over Latoya yeah. Sanders. But the other like the other side of the coin was like Candace Dupree if she gets a guard namely Chrissy Chrissy Tolliver switched onto her maybe that could be something, but. And they and when they when they do those scram switches, they're gonna shoot Chrissy Tolliver back out to the big whoever's up top, and you know oftentimes that oftentimes that's Dupree, or she just switched on the initial action. And there's a I think there's you know they could have looked to go at that. You know there was one where Dupree got it on a ball reversal and Tolliver's on her, but she just like it was almost like autopilot. You know you you swing it, you get into a side pick and roll. It's like no, like just like just back her down. Like just shoot over Chrissy Tolliver. That's the best possible thing you're going to get with Washington switching like this. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's kind of a surprising decision for from Candice Dupree to me cuz like she is a very smart basketball player and she is that veteran. So I you know, maybe at this point in her career she's she's more of the the process, the finesse type of player, but no, I mean you're right. It's a simple game. You get a mismatch, take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean even like and like another team, like we see, try, like processing this stuff still is like Connecticut, you know, because John Quill Jones will pop so often, like they kind of run into the same thing where like you just reflexively like, all right, I move the ball, I'm gonna throw it, get into dribble handoff, whatever, and it's like, like just like look at what's in front of you, like that's as good as it's gonna get, and I think that's like the interesting, like gonna be the interesting thing to watch with all these top teams the second half of the season if they if they start to like. I guess kind of in a way just like react to that and just get used to using that as kind of like your only way really way to like attack Washington with one of your bigs which uh which team in the league do you think is is best equipped to attack Washington switching I might say I might still say LA if Candace Parker's healthy and NECA and Vadiva if she ever gets back I don't know. Yeah. We don't. We haven't really heard much on that front, but I mean, those three, I think, are all really equipped to do that and to make quick decisions. More importantly, especially Candace and Vadiva as passers too. I still think. I still think LA might be kind of the sleeping giant if they actually get healthy. Um, you know. You know, Connecticut, like with John Quill Jones. I think that's like those are like the plays we're all waiting to see from her. But I think they have. I think they. Uh, I don't want to make this too much of a Sun podcast, but. They have, they have their own questions because when Alyssa Thomas gets switched on to people, that's just not as big of an advantage most of the time. It would be it would be terrific if Alyssa Thomas' shoulders uh, actually worked, but like you said, no stun podcast. Yeah, so let's let's try to like zoom back, I guess, to the body of the game. You know, with with Indiana, you know, I, I think Benajelani had a couple nice drives, and Shanice Johnson did get going a little bit. Um, prior to that very very end there kind of the same thing just getting downhill had a really nice lefty finish you know Wheeler had a couple big shots you know outside of that I think that was kind of the those were kind of the big things I I noticed with Indiana in this in this one are is Indiana still ranked second in offensive efficiency I gotta look at this okay they're down they're all the way down to third now is that crazy or what 
Yeah, it's. I don't know. I mean, it's just that. It's just this. It's just the way this year's going. I don't know. It. It's you know, it, especially with maybe unless like Diana Trossi and Candace Parker come back, like I think those are like the two teams that could really give a team a big boost. Outside of that, I don't know if we'll really see. You know, do you think there's anyone else that'll really like boost that number way up? Uh, for for who? Just a team. Just a team offense to like get well, out of I like mean, this ninety-seven, ninety-eight cluster. I don't know, like. Well, I mean, Skyler, we don't know if Skyler's coming back, but Dallas is, is pretty low already. Like, they're, yeah. they're what? They're four points per possession worse than New York. I, mm, that's that's tough, because, like, you got so much so much going on in the middle here, like this this congestion here uh, for offensive rating. But I just still can't believe, like, it, we, we, looked at this, we looked at this Indiana roster before the season started, and we're like, oh, man, they're so limited. They can't hit jumpers. They can't hit threes. They don't have much shot creation, but... Like they don't turn the ball over that much. They don't. They're very much process oriented. But I mean, they they're effective for for uh, in some respects. Yeah, I mean the the turnovers are big <laughs> for me coming, as I say this from Las Vegas, Nevada, where a team is currently oh, really struggling we'll get with to that. that. We'll get to that. And uh, and just like the uh, yeah, I've I've noticed like add like additive is a word that I've heard use more and more talking about like players like complimenting each other and stuff and and still like like Candice Dupree and Natalie Chanwa like they're gonna stand there and they're gonna make those 18 footers and like people respect that and that like that alone it's like I think that I think that still like speaks to something and obviously Wheeler having the career year and, and career shooting well from everywhere yeah I mean her jump shooting mid-range and mid-range and from three the fact that she's hitting from everywhere has been huge for them how, how many times have you seen this year where Erica Wheeler just makes a crazy bailout shot in a broken possession? Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm I'm starting to look, I'm starting to watch her more and more, and and like point to like things she's doing. It's like that's what that's what Kelsey Mitchell isn't doing right now. You know, right. I think I think like they not to say they're exactly the same player, but like there are reads and like shot windows that it's like, yeah, it's like I like there are moments where yeah, it'd be I. It'd be great to see Kelsey Mitchell out there a little bit more and have a little bit more of a rain to to kind of just gun it. But and then you see some shots that Wheeler makes, and you know it, that's I think it's I think there are definitely times where it's justified. Where obviously she's on the bench, and and last night was one of them. I mean, at, at some point you have to say you have to say well we got to win a game or two, right? And obviously right now Erica Wheeler is is giving them the chance to do that. So yeah, and they're. Uh, they're really scuffling. I think it's it's eight and nine that they've lost now, and something like that, yeah. As they uh, they may already be fading out of that they picture. They still can't. They still can't beat teams not from Chicago, New York, or Dallas. That's that's very interesting. Yeah, that's probably that's probably important if they wanna, if they were gonna pursue the uh, pursue the eight seed. Might need to beat a, need to beat a good team once in a while. Yeah, we'll look into it. Yeah, and for Washington, I mean, you mentioned the Tolliver shots were just nasty. Like, I remember you tweeted something to that effect out, and then as the yeah. overtime started, I was like, "All right, that's I know when I know when Eric like said that." It just yeah, I mean the 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 first one just like the pullback right over Laney, but then the second one where it's just, she's coming down the right side and just like a half spin throws it between her legs and then spins back. From the baseline, hit the fadeaway. I mean, it's just. That, you, you, what do you do against that? Like, yeah. it's, you, you throw the whole thing out the window. Like, like, like I said, you you played forty minutes of really solid basketball, and then you get just a superior offensive player just beating you. So, I mean, tip your hat. Yeah, and uh, elsewhere for Washington, you know, like Natasha Cloud was coming off that three for eleven from three against Vegas, one for seven, zero for four. In that game, just it's just like it's something to monitor, you know. Like if she's not gonna make shots, like that really, that really hurts them. And she's down to twenty seven percent from three now, and that's that starts to get a uh, kind of get in the danger zone for them. Because what makes them, what makes what's what has made Washington so good is like if that, you know, if like she catches the ball and you're saying, oh crap, you know, at the three point line, right? Versus, well, I mean. 
but they, they, they said, oh, crap, when she caught the ball, and then and they left Elena wide open, right? So. Yeah, I mean, that, that uh, yeah, it's the, I mean, they, they, you know, they downed that, they downed that ball screen, the floor, the floor was all messed up, like, Ariel Atkins was, like, staying on a block, but, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I think, in some ways, like, I wonder if teams are going to start to, like, isolate that and lock in on it and kind of force her to take even more shots and if they if they do you know maybe one of the things that they do is they go big which they did for a little bit with with Misaman uh Deladon and Latoya Sanders and I thought I mean Misaman played pretty well like she put I mean she really put Tierra McCown through the ringer and and like this was this was one of the games where it should like she's just not you know she's not close to being she's not close yeah I mean the the fact that like she can just like be rolling to the basket, like hit a sixteen footer, uh, burning you on a couple like pump fakes and drives, like totally totally burned on a back cut, just wasn't paying attention to her at all. It's just it's just too much to keep up with right now, and that's it. You know, as we we just talked about like how offense is down, like not every team can attack you the way Washington can, but like if the game continues to trend. Like towards what Washington is doing, like it, it's gonna get, it's gonna get, uh, it might get scary in a hurry from count. Yeah, I mean, it, once again, I'm looking back at these advanced stats. Washington, they're they're eight points for 100 possessions better than the second place Sun for offensive rating. That's that's insane. You know, when I was I was sitting like pretty close to the floor. You probably you might have saw me on TV actually, but what what struck me is about watching Meesterman in person is. She moves so clean. She moves so smoothly. It's like you don't think of her as a superior athlete or anything, but there's there's not a heck of a lot of wasted motion uh, with physically when she's moving off the ball. And I think she missed the shot that I was thinking about. She was coming off the screen, but still, I mean, when you have that coming off the bench, that's such a luxury. Yeah, she's she's uh, she's very fluid. Um, yeah, that's a good word. And she's pretty, you know, pretty smooth with stops and starts, and just makes makes quick decisions and and I think uh, if we hopefully we get another yeah one, one thing to look at I guess for both of us and anyone listening is to kind of throw out some of these blowouts because Washington's obviously had a couple of them and see how much those are really kind of pumping up the offensive rating but I, I'd like to see a few more crunch times in the near future and see you know how much how much Meesman's out there, and what you know, what pieces are in and out of the lineup? That's uh, that's another thing. I'm, I'm going to be looking at for Switch Appeal. I'm going to be looking at uh, lineup stats uh, this coming week, and that might be something I look at. I, I don't know because the thing about Washington is, like you said, they, they blow everybody out. So you're going to get some some weird on off court stuff. Like you know, Ariel Powers has been invaluable to the team this year as far as uh, plus minus goes. Well, you know, but is, is she really like one of their best players? Probably not. So it's it's all about the context. I would definitely like to see more Mason though. Yeah, lot, last thing for me on this game was Shatori Walker Kimbrough hit like a pullback three, like right in Erica yes. Wheeler's face. Like that was a pretty nasty shot. That was. I mean, what I think is funny about Shatori is that like she was such a good shooter throughout her career in Maryland, but if you look at the stats, like she hasn't really shown that so far in her WNBA career. She's shooting twenty three point one percent from three this year. That's, I know she's a better shooter than that. Yeah, I mean, I mean the the forty eight minutes, forty eight minute game is something I've I've noticed already getting brought up more than I'd seen maybe in the last like two years combined, and I think like for a reserve player, I think that's I mean that's really important. I mean if you're gonna you know Troy Ward Kimbrough, you're playing. 10, 11 minutes, he might take two shots. I think that just really yeah. makes it tough to have a decent shooting percentage. Yeah, the sample size is just not there for some of these these bench players. That's a good point. Yeah, so so Washington survives. We'll continue to see what happens at the top of the standings here. And obviously another team impacted by that is, well, two teams impacted by that. I mean, don't, yeah. look, don't look now. The Storm, the Storm are 12-8 and eight, uh, after they beat Vegas there. And Obviously, the big the big news is Asia Wilson went down in the third quarter with an ankle injury. Bill Ambier said it appeared to be a high ankle sprain. She's already been ruled out for Sunday's game against Minnesota, and you know, I, I, just just to like get that out of the way first. I mean, uh, 
Asia, I would imagine, like her sitting out all the way through the All Star game is kind of the move here, just to take advantage of that All Star break time and just get her off her feet and rest and rehab. Yeah, I'd agree with that definitely. I mean, you're you're still in the number two seed right now for the Aces. I mean, if if the goal is obviously a one or two seed throughout the playoffs, you've still got like a little bit of a cushion on teams like Seattle or LA. Like, of course, Seattle's won four in a row now, but you, you got to think that the the long term health of Asia is more important. Yeah, and to and then it is so to kind of set that aside. Although obviously it impacted the rest of the game. The Aces yeah. sure had every opportunity to come back and win this game. And it was like six minutes and like ten seconds. The score, storm went scoreless until, I mean, I, I like I want to talk about like the very end of game stuff first here, and what finally broke that scoreless drought for them was Kelsey Plum fouling Jordan Canada with twenty eight seconds left, sixteen on the shot yeah. clock. You could have played for a stop there, and I couldn't. The the camera angles like didn't show enough people on the bench for me to totally get just you know looking at that whether they were really anyone was really calling for that but that i mean the, you'd, you'd been getting stops i mean it, it just seemed like playing for the stop would have been the move there i mean yeah because seattle was really struck what are these scores six points in six minutes they no, they were scoreless for six straight minutes oh right right right, right, right. yeah that. that's i mean yeah that, that speaks to your point place and defense they're not scoring on you and and of course the play that re- immediately before that, Dierka Hamby had the steal and the miss layup and a pretty apparent no call. I don't think yeah. I saw. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think we saw a replay at all on the broadcast of that one. Um, uh, I, I thought there was, but it, like the angle wasn't great. But it wasn't a total loss because it did yield a pretty great uh, Bill Lambier reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, and, and he and he did uh, he did uh, speak to that uh, non-call missed call uh, at the end of the game, saying like Hamby's arm was all scratched up. Um, but you know they didn't get that call, so they play on. They uh, they start playing the free throw game, and Caleb McBride had a really tough three. Uh, they got a quick two with Liz again, and then they were going to get a chance again down three, and they did. That 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 final play, like, I think you're a little. I think you have to be a little disappointed with the look they got there. Like, Kayla McBride just kind of jetted out to the top of the key, and they didn't give it to her, which they probably just should have. I mean, yeah. you still have seven seconds left, and just let her try to get something off the dribble, and they threw it into Plum in the corner. But like, you know, her defender was right on her, and she ended up forcing up a tough shot. And again, like, even there, like, you probably could have looked for something better, try to use your dribble, do something. But that was all she wrote, and and Seattle escaped. You know, it's interesting you say that Seattle escapes. I, this is a game where it's like, okay, the final score was close, but was it really a good game? Uh, it, it, yeah, I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, by no means it wasn't. You know, like ben, it, when, I, when I'm talking about like when, when we're talking about like, okay, the final possession. Here's what you should have gotten. Here's what should have happened. It's pretty hard for me to to say like, okay, it all comes down to this when you you turn the ball over 21 times. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, and I want to, I want to circle back to all that stuff, but sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I should have led with that though. You know, amid, you know, all the things they did to themselves, the Aces still had a chance, a pretty good I chance mean, there at the it's end. It's crazy, like Seattle eighteen steals. It was like, who wanted this game less? Well, I mean, it was just. I, I mean, I think it's just like a perfect meeting from Seattle's perspective of you know we're gonna the team that's gonna you know randomly. You know, call for full court pressure, and you know they're gonna really like they're gonna really focus on like putting two on the ball a lot, and yeah. you know force you to make like a really long skip pass, and combined with you know playing Vegas, who it's you know it's it's I mean it's 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 still like almost like Lambier and the players talk about it plenty, but like everywhere else, it's still almost like under discussed, like how how troubling it is for this to be your current Achilles heel. Yeah, I mean, there's one thing about playing fast, but when you're just, like, not valuing possessions at all, you know? I mean, it's like some of this stuff is still so avoidable. And we're at the point of the season where it's like, okay, it's not June anymore. Like, you you should should probably have some of this stuff figured out by now, but nah, no, I'm I'm just watching on the sidelines, but... Well, and and so Liz Cambage had five 
a team high. Yeah. Which was op- was which was counter to how most of the season has gone. You know, she's been for the most part like the steadiest in terms of just taking care of the ball. Like their safe place is like when they just give her the ball at the top of the key and let her like make the entry pass or whatever. But I mean, Seattle was doubling her hard on the catch, and the f- I'm I'm really glad they play again t- on Tuesday because it's gonna be fun to see what the Aces do to counter that because. You know, you can say, all right, like, make that skip pass, but when they, the double's, like, there, right, when she catches it, she doesn't really have time to face it and then, you know, get ready to fire a laser across the court. And that's, like, well, in, in, assuming that Asia Wilson doesn't play in that one, I think that's going to be an interesting adjustment to make as well because it's, like, how much does Liz's usage rate climb with that? And is she going to be in a position where she where she's making those passes or is she going to be posting up that much more often? Yeah, I mean, I would. I mean, I would imagine they're going to be even more emboldened to keep doubling her like that because, you know, they're not worried about Asia beating them sure. if, if she's not playing. And 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 then you know it was already, you know, like with Asia, like you know she's still a threat spotting up in the mid range and of course diving to the basket and all this stuff. So take her out of the mix and you know this is kind of the game like all right is you know is Dierka Hamby going to like shoot five threes in a game if she's left open and obviously she can drive it and do other stuff too but you know i i think you know the first thought is like pencil her in for you know 28 30 minutes and it'll be yeah. interesting to how she kind of is able to play out of you know those potential advantage situations you know when you talk about this this is funny cuz you say is Dierka Hamby going to take five three pointers uh, I'm looking at this box score from this game. Keelan McBride shot one three. Yeah, I, mean, I wanted to get to McBride too. I mean, what Seattle putting like what McBride is really good at, or or at least like what she's been really good in, and in, in the context of what they've asked her to do is she's really good on one side of the floor, dribble handoff, side pick and roll. Well, Seattle is gonna is gonna blitz her every time they do that, and so they're just totally taking her out of that stuff that they do and so now the question for Tuesday is going to be all right like what else, what are you going to come ready with to get her more involved because yeah you, I mean you can't you can't go a game with McBride only getting seven shots I mean that's something I've kind of tried to circle back to all season is like she has to they have to use her at the level of like a true third star yeah I agree definitely and now second star yeah yeah that's true so and, and in the meantime like you know it's you know, Kelsey Plum got benched to start the second second half. I mean, she just had a brutal end of the first half with the with the turnover and Jordan Canada. By the way, like it was almost so much worse with the live ball turnovers because I think Canada had like three three like potential pick six, sixes where she missed the shot. So like that could have been even worse for the Aces. But uh, you know, Hamby started the half, but like Plum, like she still ended like she hit one pull up three, like got into it confidently and like. They had a couple screening actions. She got open looks. It's like Plum gets good looks. Like they just, I mean, I just still feel like this is just something they just have to, they just have to break through this wall, or she does, and and start hitting some of these shots. Well, one thing I noticed from this game regarding Kelsey Plum is that Seattle was, they were really trying to attack her. They were going, you know, they were trying to post up Alicia Clark on her several times. I think, uh, I think Shabante Zellis went at her a couple times. So that's, and, and if, if Bill Embiid, I think if Bill Embiid sees, okay, they're going at my player defensively and she's not holding her own, well, you know, he's going to come with the hook. So, yeah, it's definitely something they got to figure out because her shooting, I mean, they need it. Like, there's there's no two ways about it. Yeah, and in, uh, you know, elsewhere with Seattle, I mean, Natasha Howard shoots 6 for 21, Jordan Canada 1 for 12. You just say, like, there's <sighs> no way on earth this team should have won a game. But, I mean, Howard, Howard, in a way, like, I wrote this today, like, she's, I mean she's probably the best player in the league to play that role of you're kind of the roamer and you're that second player, you know, bolting to Liz when she gets a catch as that doubler because she just really caused a lot of problems for Asia and Hamby at the rim. And then obviously just being around and bothering Liz and even blocking her a couple of times too. I mean, what what a great roster this is for a, a coach like Gary Kloppenberg who's, who's emphasized on you know, like overhelping and stuff like that. You got we have players like Jordan Canada and Natasha Howard who cover so much ground. Yeah, I mean it's they you know they they do a good job of ball hawking and you know especially Canada and, and Sammy Whitcomb like thirty four minutes and 
when, she played when, well. Yeah, I mean when she hits when she hits threes, especially on the move, I mean that they need that desperately, um, especially with Mosqueda Lewis out, uh, who quietly might make like Tuesday a lot tougher on the aces if she's playing. But it's yeah, I mean it just it it feels like every game like Seattle they just like they just if they get a couple shots to fall like they just th- there's like an, a very arbitrary number but like it's like if they if they get if they see enough jump shots go in the basket it's just like nothing is going to stop them from you know making it a one possession game all the way to the final buzzer well how many and it, it, it's so funny because they, they shot so poorly from from two it was like what 24 percent from two and i think most of their three-pointers came in like the first half right so yeah i mean yikes but this defense i mean it's it it's such a pain to play against this defense, and let's also not forget that Jewel Lloyd is probably going to be back in—I uh, don't know about full capacity, but she's coming back as well. So that's another factor. Yeah, I mean that would—that would, I would imagine that would—that uh, should probably help uh, help make sure that that's the last six-minute scoreless stretch they have in a fourth quarter this year. I would um, hope so. Yeah, I mean because she basically was just getting her cardio in, cardio in out there. I mean, offensively at least, she just wasn't wasn't uh wasn't herself but off the bench crystal langhorn knocked in another three continues to be uh, continues to be um yeah i mean i mean langhorn would be a good person to talk about this i mean the fact that she's suddenly doing it you know versus like some other players where you know people kind of want want them to figure it out as a stretch big i mean well i think this is this is such a cool story because you know, Langhorn obviously with even without Brianna Stewart on this team, I think her uh, her time in this league is probably close to being up. But it, it, she's the, the Seattle Storm coaching staff has done such an amazing job with this because, first of all, she's much more, in my opinion, she's a much more effective player facing up than she is posting up. Like she she's got great footwork, but her moves don't really go anywhere. Like she'll spin and spin and spin and and the person defending her will still be there. So it's like, but like if she's facing up and she's she's stretching the defense all the way out to the three-point line, which I don't think people are respecting it quite yet. But I mean, it's it's, it's absolutely the correct move as far as, uh, you know, like prolonging her career and, and making her not so redundant with a, with a Courtney Paris type of player or a Mercedes Russell type of player. So, I mean, absolutely kudos to Langhorn, kudos to the coaching staff. It's, it's pretty cool to see uh, late career resurgences like that. For sure. Do you uh, do you have any other like aces stuff coming out of this one? I mean, stuff you want to see on Tuesday or, or differences you expect with if with Asia missing a little, probably at least a little bit of time here. Well, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a Dior Gahambi stan, so uh, I got to see her for like 25, 26 minutes, if that. I mean, what, what do you do? Do you play Jisoo Parker? You can't keep playing swords. Not against. Not against this team, I don't think. Oh, they, I mean, they can play swords. I mean, and well, although she did, she did hit that three. No, I'm just joking. But, <laughs> no, I mean, they, know, yeah, I mean, they can. I mean, you, I mean, even if they need to get her in against the starting unit, I mean, she can go guard Mercedes Russell. I mean, I don't think she she's not really that that involved in screening actions that'll really force her to get out to the three point line. I mean, from the thing from the aces I want to see is, I mean, we already discussed it. You got to get K Mac more looks from three, which is is probably going to be difficult against the Seattle defense. But I mean, it, it just has to happen. And then, how is Liz Cambage going to be used when she's the one like dominant post player on the floor? You know, it, her usage rate is obviously not what it was in Dallas. Um, actually, might want to check me on that one. But she's not putting up like these these huge these huge games because she has to share the floor. But now, let her go to work. You know, I mean, it's, Natasha Howard and Mercedes Russell are great, but can they get the ball to Liz in the post enough? I think that's the that's what I'm going to see. Yeah, and depending on uh, depending on when people listen to this, Liz will be going against Sylvia Fowles on Sunday, which will obviously be uh, be a very fun matchup of the centers. Hopefully, uh, it always is. Well, and and a matchup of. Uh, like I mean, let's let's do your let's do your th- your rant now. I mean, bringing up the two like I think two of the two of the main players that have, you know, probably probably have failed to get you know their fair share of calls. Eric, I I see the floor to Eric who wanted to uh to speak on the officiating a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So um, 
I, I promise, Ben, this wouldn't take uh, too much of our time here, but, yeah, you know, I'm not sure. We need to talk about the officiating, folks. Uh, it's been bad. Like, I know we like to complain as a fan base about, oh, the WNBA refs are horrible. Like, every single time, every missed call, you know, Twitter lights up. But, like, so I was watching the uh, the Mercury and the uh, the Wings tonight, which obviously we, were, we weren't talking about, but, oh, my God. Like, some of these, I've seen probably this year more than ever, one, calls that are so late, like, th- these referees will wait until a player either, you know, you know, like, misses a shot before making the foul call. Or, you know, making like making a, a, a call that should be bang, bang, like waiting two or three seconds. I get you want to make the call correctly, but when you're consistently waiting until the player misses the shot in order to, and then call the foul, it's like, if it's a foul, call it. And then these moving screens, like, nobody wants to see that. But, you know, Brianna Turner for Phoenix set a completely legal 100%, 1,000% fine screen, and she gets called for a moving screen. I don't know if that's because, you know, the you know, the guards go too early or what have you, but, you know, the dramatics, you know, people falling down because because their own players aren't calling out the screens, right? But what happens is it gets called an offensive foul. But, like, in generally speaking, the fouls are – the lack of fouls, let's just admit it, it's hurting the offense. It's hurting the league offense. So we're at the point of the season where offense usually picks up now, and I'm going to plug my own work again shamelessly – if you haven't seen it on Switch Appeal, I did a little bit of research uh, regarding, you know, league offense, shooting, and free throw calls. Uh, free throw rate is down, extremely down this year uh, in relative to last year, and last year relative to the year before. So this is a trend we're seeing where they are just not calling enough fouls. Um, I get that, you know, we don't want to see foul fests where teams are attempting 50-something free throws between them, but if you want to see higher-level basketball... If you want to be promoting higher-level basketball where players aren't missing all these layups every game, and if you want to protect your players as well, you got to start calling some of these because they're getting egregious. And these games are getting so physical and so chippy that you know, you know, players are, are you know they're they're driving on the floor, they're they're attacking the basket, and, and nothing's happening. You got to call some of these fouls, man. Like, I get it. You want the game to, to speed up. You don't want to be sitting there for three hours watching teams shoot free throws, but I, I think the conversation has gone too far. Um, it, these games just are not as enjoyable to watch when with all these calls consistently being missed. And I know it's a, and I know it's been a point of emphasis. I mean, the referees have been bad, but they're not so bad that they're, like, not calling these, like, you know, they're, they're making so many mistakes per game where it's, like, free throw rate is down three or four percent. That's just... I know it's the point of emphasis, and I think that the league needs to uh, clean up its act. Let's uh, let's put it that way. And you said, Cambage. I mean, Cambage thinks she thinks she gets fouled in every possession, but players like her and fouls, they're tough to officiate in the first place. But when you're letting them get like legitimately beat up, like you said, Dierica Hamby had scratches on her arm because of that missed call, and the referees are right there and like, no, they keep playing. At some point, you got to ask: Is does at what point do you need to say the quality of play is, is kind of suffering here because we're not calling these fouls? It's just it's just ridiculous to me how much contact there is and how much physical play there is. You're advertising the best athletes in the world, the most physical, the strongest women basketball players in the world. Fine, we get it. But they're you know constantly missing all these layups because you know they're getting you know hacked. But there's no call. So that's just what I wanted to get off my chest. Um, I, I'm pretty sure people will agree with me on this one. If we don't, that's fine. But Man, this officiating has to improve, Ben. Yeah, and I'll—that uh, makes me want to reiterate a point I made before. But it's, you know, the for all the for all the lines people want to draw between the WNBA and the NBA. You know, one thing that ties in with this whole officiating thing is, you know, people you know people love to make fun of the fact that there isn't dunking. Well, on a practical level, when you don't have that element that creates like one an entire archetype of player that props up your field goal percentage you know the center who's just spraying to the rim and crushing lob dunks and just you know a a giant you know pretty decent chunkier players who are able to convert a lot of looks around the rim like getting way up there i mean you just you just have to protect the integrity of playing around the basket i mean if, if 
if players aren't if if the players that are good enough to get in there a lot aren't going to want to go in there. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's something I'm going to want to study. I mean, we're, I'm sure we're both going to study it plenty uh, as the season goes on and even after to see how much correlation there really is. But it just it, this is just something that it just makes too much sense. And yeah, I mean, you. I mean, we want to people go to these games to watch people score. You know, nobody nobody yeah. goes to nobody goes to these games to watch. You know, a 62, 61, 61 game where these teams are like shooting in the 30s. So it's, you know, some of the stars sitting out has, has something to do with it, but it's, it, something's, something's got to give. It. Just, it's not all of it though. Yeah. Yeah. But just, but the idea of just like, you know, needing to play through it more is just, it's just, I just, I just want to be clear that that's just completely illogical. It's, I mean, it's just a dumb line of thinking. Like you need to play through more stuff. Okay. Well, if you, if you have a more ground bound game, what do you think is going to happen? You know. Yeah, it, it, you know it, it's funny. Like we look at the best offensive team in the league right now, Washington. How many three pointers are they shooting? Not every team is Washington, okay? Like you need you you gotta help, you gotta give these players a chance here. Looking at this basket before she got hurt, Asia Wilson attempted one free throw. Asia Wilson. What I'd like to do at the end of the season is first of all uh, revisit my. Uh, my piece on free throw rate and see if uh, see if that, that number changes any. I don't think it will, to be honest with you, because I think this is a conscious decision made by the referees at the start of the season. You know, like, here's what we're going to emphasize, here's what we're not. Um, but, you know, just, just for continuity purposes, I'll take a look at it again. And also, players like Asia Wilson, players like, I don't know, Tiffany Hayes or Brittany Boyd, you know, for instance, who really thrive on, on drawing these fouls and, and getting to the rim and drawing the contact and shooting free throws, what is their points per possession look like when these fouls aren't being called? Because that's hurting these players more than anything. And you know, obviously, you said that the back to the basket centers as well. Because, but no, you're totally right. Like if it's a if it's a skill based game, if it's a game based on fundamentals, you want to reward the players for executing correctly, right? I mean, it, I, I'm not being totally harebrained about this, am I? No, I mean we don't we don't disagree on any of this stuff in any major way. I mean, and and. And again, like I said, like it's something I'll want to study more closely once the season wraps up. But you know, Tiffany Hayes is like a good example. You know, someone that's able to get going zero to a hundred right away. And when that when that happens, you know, she's the only player that can really do that at that level. And when that happens, she's gonna end up on the floor a lot. Does she embellish yeah. it sometimes? Of course, but other times she doesn't. Because when you go that fast. And you go airborne, the smallest bump is gonna to- is gonna send you to the into the baseline, you know. So <laughs> that reminds me of something. When uh, back when Elena Deladon was on the sky, and people were always complaining about how many free throws she shot per game, which you might notice isn't very isn't happening as much as here. Um, but they're saying, "Oh, Elena Deladon, she gets so many calls." I, I would always say, "Well, okay, stop following her," you know. But that's not a thing anymore because you got players like Tiffany Hayes or, or Diamond Shields is, is another one who are being forced to you know push the envelope even more, maybe embellish the contact a little more, whatever you want to call it. you got to protect these players as well because you know they're not going to keep, they're not just going to stop attacking the basket. That's not in their nature. They're, so they're going to keep hitting the deck, and the defense is going to get even more physical and more chippy because it knows it can get away with more stuff. So I don't know, man. I've repeated myself about a thousand times already, so I'll let it go. But, uh, yeah, this, this, this needs to change. All right, so let's wrap it up on uh... – on some some roster news last week when we talked we we're co- of course talking about elena Coates being waived by the minnesota Lynx, as temi fegbenley had been reactivated and it looks like chichilia zandalicini well she's in minnesota and it looks like she's on her way back too uh but it didn't take long for coach she's signed with has signed with the atlanta dream and um, i'm sure as everyone expected like everyone expected them to address with their glaring need another another center <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I didn't understand this pickup did you Ben no not really I mean it's I mean just like as like a young player to just like you know get her rights I mean I, I guess um, you know I've I like I've liked seeing like Marie Gulich when she's actually like looking to shoot like her pick and pop jumper and obviously they have like Monique Billings, who's a big part of their big rotation. You know, Coates is Coates is a little bigger 
a little stronger than than either of those other young bench bigs they have. But I don't I don't think that she would necessarily tip the scales to where they're gonna, you know, she's gonna be uh, really jockeying hard to to steal their minutes. I mean, the only thing I could think of here is that. Well, actually, you know, uh, props to David Siegel, Dishon and Swishy, who pointed this out to me. Their assistant coach, Darius Taylor, actually recruited and coached uh, coach when she was in South Carolina. So maybe there's a little bit of a connection there. You know, that I don't think you can discount that. But uh, schematically speaking, Atlanta's last in the league in defensive rebounding. So maybe coach helps out there. I don't know. But they're also last in the league in effective field goal percentage and overall offense by a pretty healthy margin. And I'm not sure if Coates really helps that. Especially with Tiffany Hayes, like, we don't know if she's, because she injured her hamstring recently in a game against Chicago, so it, it doesn't really seem, like, they have this huge glaring need, and it's not backup center. So, I don't, I don't understand. Maybe, maybe Coates will come out there, and I hope she does. I hope she comes out there and, and makes me look dumb. It, it happens all the time, so, cross your fingers. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I mean, just, like, think about, like, the fit offensively. Like, think about Elizabeth Williams and how hard it is at times for her to score you know like when she's rolling to the rim like she has to get that catch and like already get a head start and almost be like you know like full speed running to get those long two strides in so she can get to the rim in time and and that and that's not I mean the pick and roll finisher like on the move like that's not Coates' game at least not right now or anytime in the near future so like with with how cramped things already are for them offensively, that's where I just like really don't see much of a fit for her to play, at least right now, getting a big role. Yeah, I mean that's maybe they, maybe like I said, maybe with the with the South Carolina history with uh, Coach Taylor and, and Coates there, maybe there's something there, and she'll help their defensive rebounding. But that's uh, that's all I've got, sir. You know, maybe well, you know, when she was in Minnesota, that's we talked about this on, on the last time when she was cut. It was really difficult for her. It's it's a tough thing to play behind Sylvia Fowles, right? Because you're you're getting at most what six seven minutes a game, maybe a little bit more in blowouts. I think Coates can actually like play a little bit more because maybe she can she can sub in for she can take Gulich's minutes against against bigger centers. But even so, is she going to make a big enough impact? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still pretty. I'm still very confident in saying like Atlanta's biggest problem still is they just need to score, and that's, uh, that's I would the, agree with you on that. Yeah. That's the that's what they need to address. I mean, I, it's I, I wanted I wanted to like make a stump speech that this should have been the team for for Carlton to give them a shot, but then you think, <laughs> but then you, I mean you think about the combinations too, right? Like if okay, so they're gonna play, you know, Maite and Bridget Carlton off the bench together. You're gonna put put two rookies out there, and. With you know, with what you know, with Alex Bentley, who's really, I mean, struggling, yeah, so struggling. They can, so, they is, and, so they can sit there and watch Alex Bentley take fadeaway jumpers, right? Yeah, struggling, struggling is an understatement there. So it's, it's, you know, as my, uh, obviously, uh, I'm not gonna give up on Carlton yet, and it's probably, it's probably for the best that she, uh, she maybe this can maybe gets kicked down the road, and she goes into a situation where she can, uh, where she can get a little more chance to shoot, to just like catch and shoot. And Vegas, by the way, they have that 12 spot, 12 spot. They may add somebody coming up here. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you've, you've like thought about it or if you like have feelings about it, but I mean, I don't anticipate like a bunch of trades or a bunch of movement at all to really happen much like, much like every other year. But yeah, I don't think so. It's pretty rare to see a bunch of trades happen in the WNBA unless, unless some weird stuff happens, like a player like requests the trade, but we don't typically see that stuff here. Yeah, and uh, Carly Samuelson got a seven-day back in L.A. She She's spent she some did. time there. Um, you know, somebody that can hit some shots. I'm still I'm still kind of sifting through Eurobasket, but what I saw so far, I kind of, I've kind of I've kind of changed course a little bit. Like, I think I think there's enough there beyond just to at least like to at least make a roster, you know, be on a roster consistently. You know, I just think like she's, the thing about Carly is that she's she's been in that camp several times before now, I think. So at least the familiarity is there. So if you're going to bring somebody on for a seven-day who you need to come in and contribute immediately, I mean, she's got a head start on everyone else, right? So. Well, yeah, and boy, do they need, boy, do they need someone to contribute right now. Yes, they're they are lacking. They, they have a few people who were injured, just a few. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're off the rails of where we plan to be by this point, but <laughs> while we're on L.A., like, 
I mean, the Tierruff and Pratt signing, I mean, how important has that been? Because with Elena Beard just not being in and out and just hasn't really played much at all this year. Uh, Tierruff and Pratt, as we all expected, is in the 97th percentile for catch-and-shoot jumpers. Thank you, Synergy. How many, uh, how many attempts, though? That's the... Not important. That's the no, good, that's joking, a good question. Uh, I think there's only a lot. I think... I, I, I gotta look at it. Let me see here. Uh, obviously, it's not as many as, like, Allie Quigley or uh, Alicia Clark, I think, was the first place in that. Let me see here. Here, I got it. Um, on a grand total of 26 possessions, she's, she's scored 35 points on catch-and-shoot. So that's 1.346 points per possession. 96th percentile. Excellent. I mean, obviously, the this, this, this sample size is tiny there, but put, bring, bring it back around here. Yes, she's been a good signing, um, at least for that defensive stopper for, for Beard, whose body is, uh, unfortunately, it looks like it might be quitting on her. But if she can hit an extra jumper or two, great. You know, because if she's not out there, who's who's their perimeter stopper, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the big question, and that uh, that aligned nicely where, I mean, obviously, like, I mean, there has there has to be something to it, like, and I, like seeing like the number she was uh, listed, her salary listed for this year with the Hypo Soup salary database. Like, she didn't like Washington didn't uh, pass on her because she was getting so much money, you know. So right. and them talking about having five scoring threats on the floor and you know like all that stuff. Like, I can't help but think there's like a little something there, and that'd be that'd be something if LA ends up playing Washington and, you know, she has like five threes in a game against them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm definitely here for the TRP revenge game. All right. So that'll, uh, that'll wrap it up for this week. Another, another week in the books, uh, recapping games here with Eric. Uh, as we said, we recorded this on Saturday. So depending on when you listen to this, there'll be, uh, more games in the book, but Eric, let people know what you're working on and what they should, uh, what they should be doing to keep up with you these days. Um, well, once again, uh, got some stuff over at Swish Appeal going on. Uh, I'm resuming my, we, uh, we kind of missed our, uh, missed our usual facts and figures, or no, it's called Fun With Numbers. See, I, f- I forget the name of my own piece. It's called Fun With Numbers, um, where we look at the new WNBA stats page, uh, and kind of like contextualize each section of it in regards to what's happening during the season. Uh, we had to talk about all-star stuff last week, so that was on the back burner, but it'll be back, uh, hopefully next Tuesday. This Tuesday, so when you're listening to it, uh, check it out. Uh, planning on looking at some lineup data, so which has been missing in the WNBA for a very long time. So I'm very excited to delve into that, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring some good stuff to you. Alrighty, there you go. We'll look forward to that, and we'll look forward to reconvening next weekend. Eric, thanks for joining the show. All right, thanks, Ben.